All right, you may be seated and go ahead and open to your Bibles in Matthew chapter 6. If you're in the Sanctuary Bibles, that'll be page 811. Every Lent, we focus on our spiritual disciplines, fasting, giving, prayer. Uh, we're giving attention to our life in prayer. We're examining ourselves. This year in particular, we've decided to place a special and extra emphasis on prayer and learning how to pray. So I'm going to begin this Ash Wednesday sermon with a story of prayer that I received just a couple of weeks ago at our worship and healing service. Just tell you about two healings that I received, and you'll see why in a little bit. Uh, the first one, I'll just say I've, I've received a physical healing. Since September, I have had pain in my jaw anytime I've tried to open my jaw all the way. I've had to stretch my mouth multiple times a day. And it's not like a major thing, but it's just a minor thing, and it was there. And I had Val pray for that. And I just want to say it's not totally gone, but it's about 80% healed since two weeks ago, which I'm so thankful for. So that was a physical healing that I received. That's the power of prayer. But the second one, and the more important story that I want to tell you is about an emotional healing, an inner healing that I received um, regarding a, a painful memory that, that came up. So we were in prayer, and Catherine was leading us and encouraging us to name what's one thing that is keeping you from being able to fully trust God right now. And the thing that I identified was, oh, it's the fear of failure. I'm terrified of, of failing. And then uh, a memory came up associated with this. As I went to Val for, for this prayer as well, I explained the memory, and she helped me identify. She said, you know, I think it's actually a fear of public humiliation because of failure. And that was really helpful for me. Um, here was the memory that came up. So it was me as a six-year-old boy in t-ball, and I didn't know how to hit the ball. And we were transitioning from when the ball's just sitting on the tee to when the coach is pitching you the ball. And I'm sitting there and just whiffing every time. It's because I, I was swinging like a golf swing, thinking that's how you hit home runs. Um, and probably 20 pitches go by, and I'm still swinging, making no contact. The teammates are getting restless. People in the stands, the parents are starting to get a little agitated. And soon, some of the parents are trying to help me by instructing and telling me what to do, but they're really intense about it, and I'm six. And I'm already humiliated because I can't hit this thing. And their intensity, they're trying to help me. It is not working. I'm feeling shame. And that was the memory. Just this incredible moment of shame as a six-year-old. So that memory came up. And as Val is praying for me, and as you know we do, we pray imaginatively. So all of a sudden, in my imagination, I'm back in that memory, but everything goes black. Every, all the players, all the parents, everything just fades into the black, and it's just me on the baseball field and Jesus. Except he's not adult Jesus in his first century, you know, garments. It's Jesus, but he looks like a 12-year-old American boy with a baseball cap, and I know Again, this is imaginative. I know this is my big brother, Jesus. And when he looked into my face, his face was just lit up with joy at being with me, excitement, and this like, I'm your big brother, you're my kid brother, I'm looking out for you, you're gonna figure this out, it's gonna be okay, and I'm gonna help you. And I just, I just love you with that perfect big brother kind of love. 
And that was my imagination in, in that prayer moment. And I was healed. All of a sudden, the humiliation from that moment was gone because Jesus was there, and he was excited to be with me, and he was ready to teach me how to swing. Let me show you how to do it. You're going to get this. Why do I tell you this story? Well, one, it's, it's good for us to hear stories of healing and to understand the power of prayer. But what I wish I could do for you is just download to you, transfer to you the face of 12-year-old American boy Jesus that I can still see when I close my eyes and how excited he was to teach me how to swing that bat. Because we're learning how to pray. I think many of you maybe feel like six-year-old Brett when it comes to prayer. I know this is really important, but I feel like I just keep swinging and missing. And I want you, if anything else, I want you to take away from tonight and this day and enter into your Lenten journey knowing that Jesus is excited to teach you how to pray. He's excited to teach you how to pray. And I want to invite you, and of course Jesus wants to invite you into a school of prayer this Lent. Will you enter? And will you let him teach you how to pray? If you were to ask me, hey, Brett, what, what do you think is the most important task for a believer? Okay, after coming to Jesus, accepting him, and putting your faith in Jesus, what would you say is the most important thing in my life? And I would answer that. I, maybe others would answer differently, but I would answer to learn to pray aright. This is the most important task before us. Everything else flows from this. And I think because you're here on Valentine's Day in the evening, in the middle of the week, you're at church, then I don't have to convince you that prayer is important. But perhaps many of you do feel like, okay, I know it's important, but I don't know how to pray. I don't have the words, I don't have the know-how, or I know prayer is important, but right now in this season of my life, I don't have a lot of faith regarding prayer. In the power of prayer, or in the goodness of God, Maybe you're here tonight and you know that prayer is important, but in your life right now, in this season, you're just not finding the space and the time to consistently be with the Lord in that solitude, in that place where you're hearing from Him and speaking out your heart. Or maybe you are consistently getting there, but the old routines and the old rhythms and the old ways of praying are not working for you anymore, and there's now a dryness or an apathy. Perhaps just sheer physical exhaustion is affecting your prayer life. Or it could be that you know prayer is important, and your prayer is actually in a decent place right now, but you also know there could be more depth. There could be more richness to it. There could be more intimacy in my life with the Lord, and you long for that. Or it could be a, no a number of other things that you would say, in my prayer life right now, here's the thing that I am needing. So tonight, in what way are you needing Jesus to teach you how to pray? In what way are you needing Jesus to help you to pray? And again, the encouraging thing is you're not alone to figure this out. Jesus is not standing waiting you for, for you to figure this out and then come to him. He's saying, I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited to teach you how to pray. So when we look at the Scriptures and the Gospels in particular, we see that Jesus teaches us how to pray in several ways. One, he, he models prayer for us. 
So we see Jesus often going up onto the mountain, having that moment of solitude where he is with his Father, praying through the night. And of course, this is not every night. But this is often after extensive uh, seasons of ministry or important moments where Jesus is knowing the need for that solitude with his Father. And so too for you, there may be moments when it is the end of the day, and in the quiet and the stillness of the night, maybe the kids are asleep, maybe your roommates are out, or maybe they're asleep, and in the quiet of the night, you feel the Holy Spirit inviting you, just stay with me a little longer. You could go to sleep right now. Stay with me a little longer. Pour out your heart. Come with, with no agenda. We'll just talk. Be with your Father in heaven. And it doesn't have to be all through the night. It probably won't be. And it's not going to be every night. But will you understand and know that there will be those moments where you'll sacrifice a little bit of sleep because you sense the Holy Spirit is saying, stay with me. Come and pray to your Father in heaven. So Jesus teaches us the, the importance of solitude. He also, we see him grabbing his disciples and his friends closest to him and, and in what we might call non-liturgical small group settings, seeking the face of God together. So, of course, famously, Jesus was praying with his disciples in Gethsemane the night he was betrayed and before he went to the cross. But when we read the Gospels closely, they indicate that that was not the first time Jesus had gone to Gethsemane to pray with his disciples. That was a regular habit of his to be with people close to him and saying, let's learn how to pray together. And so you're also seeking for those opportunities where you can be with a small group of people with no agenda, but simply let's seek the Lord's face together. That's an important way to pray. Jesus prayed that way. We can pray that way. Also, we see that Jesus participated in what we would call large group gathering corporate liturgical worship. As a good Jew, he was in Jerusalem three times a year at the festivals. He worshiped in the synagogue on Sabbath, and also the, the Last Supper was a ritual meal, liturgical in nature. And I'll never forget one youth group uh, missions trip that I led back in the days when I was a youth pastor to Pittsburgh. And I, I ordered things in such a way that every morning we began with morning prayer, every evening before we went to bed, we were ending in, in evening prayer. And after that trip was over, I was delighted uh, astonished and delighted that many of the students said, you know, the most impactful thing on that trip was the regularity of the prayer, morning and evening, and praying together and praying liturgically. That's the thing I miss. I loved hearing that. So Jesus, he teaches us how to pray because he models it. And when we read the Gospels, we see different ways that he models it. Jesus also teaches us how to pray in moments where he explicitly teaches lessons on prayer. So we have just such an example in our Matthew 6 reading here. Um, in the paragraphs, verses 5 to 8, those two paragraphs, Jesus gives two important lessons on prayer. And as you're reading the Gospels and you find those places where Jesus is explicitly teaching on prayer, mark those. Go back to those. Study those. Meditate on those and see what Jesus has to teach you about prayer. Well, let's take a, look, a little bit closer look. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus is saying, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray at the street corners so that they may be seen by others. They're doing the right thing, praying, but for the wrong reason. They're doing it not to connect with God. They're doing it to look the part. And that can be a temptation for us too. You're here in church. 
And it may be the right thing to say certain things while you're here at church, to do churchy things, to act religious. But are you the same all throughout the week? So Jesus is warning against vanity. Don't do it just to look the part. Do the right thing for the right reason. Go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. Then he goes on to say, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask him. So here Jesus is guarding against uh, a formulaic, empty kind of way of praying. He's guarding against vanity. He's guarding against empty formulas. But actually, if we look deeper at these verses and these two lessons, there is something far more important to the heart of prayer and to our relationship to God that is going on here in these verses. And the lesson that Jesus really wants to teach us is that prayer is centered on the Father and your relationship to the Father in heaven. Notice, who is it that's waiting behind the closed door? It's your Father. Who is it that knows what you need before you ask? It's your Father in heaven. Who is it that you address at the beginning of the prayer of all prayers? Our Father in heaven. And as you do study the different teachings of Jesus on prayer throughout the Gospels, you will find this common thread. He is always talking about his Father and how we relate to our Father in heaven. So prayer is about our relationship to the Father. One book that, that I love, it's one of my favorite books on prayer. It's by Andrew Murray, who was a pastor from about a century and a half ago. And he, he does just go through all the different sayings of Jesus about prayer. So uh, that book is called With Christ in the School of Prayer, and that may be a helpful companion to you this Lent um, if, you, if you want to pick that up. I highly recommend it. But Andrew Murray says this, the knowledge of God's Father love is the first and simplest, but also the last and highest lesson in the school of prayer. So the purpose of prayer, according to Jesus, is communion with our Father. The reason he says go into your room is because he knows that you have a Father who is there waiting for you. You have a Father in heaven who wants to hear from you. You have a Father in heaven who wants to speak to you. You have a Father in heaven who wants to simply be with you. The heart and center of prayer is knowing the infinite love of the Father heart of God. And I would say everything, not just in our prayer life, but everything flows from this. And as I say this, about prayer, about our relationship to our Father in heaven. If there's any reason that you have a hard time accepting that, believing that, trusting that, there may be a number of reasons why you push back against me as I say that. Well, let me just encourage you. This Lent, that might be one of the lessons that you're asking Jesus to teach you. You just tell him, Jesus, I have a hard time believing the goodness of my Father in heaven or connecting with him or praying to him. Would you help me understand that? Would you help me pray and know the heart of my Father? That is a prayer he will love to answer. So Jesus teaches us that the center and the meaning of prayer is our relationship to our Father in heaven. If we look again, though, at these two lessons that Jesus gives us on prayer, I think we can see something else that's applicable to us 
today in our lives. That may not necessarily have been what he was intending, but for us today is important. So again, going back to the lesson, don't pray to be seen by others, but go into secret. Go and shut the door and pray there to your Father. Yes, Jesus is guarding against vanity. But I want us to hone in on these words in verse 6. I think they have special application to us. Jesus says, go into your room. Go. Meaning, find the space. Make the time. Make this a priority. Go into your room. Again, Andrew Murray says, everyone must have some solitary spot where he can be alone with God. If God is going to teach us how to pray, Murray says, then the teacher must have a schoolroom. Show up in the schoolroom. Go into the room. Find the place. Make the time. So much of us live our lives feeling as if our lives are happening to us. And we feel bitter about that. We feel like we don't have control. And one lesson that is important for us to understand is we have more control than we think. We are given our lives and we are given our time to steward as we will. And our priorities will be shown by what we decide to do. So go into your room, Jesus is saying. Find the space. Make the time. Now, there are different responsibilities on different ones of you. You're in different stations of life, and what that will mean for each one of you will be different, and that's where it gets legalistic, is if I were up here to say it has to be this much time, that's, that's when it gets to be legalistic. But what I can say with confidence, where I'm not going to specify the number of minutes you need to spend, I am going to say this is a daily thing. We need to be in prayer with our Father in heaven in some way, finding those regular rhythms in which you're connecting with your Father in heaven daily. So Jesus is saying, go into your room. Take advantage of the season of Lent. What are we doing during Lent? We're simplifying our lives. We're removing things from our lives so that we make space for the disciplines, for prayer. So for example, let's say you pick up the, the discipline of fasting, even from one meal a week. So you're giving up that meal on lunch on Wednesday. Now all of a sudden you have 30 to 45 minutes in your day that is free, that you didn't have before. Don't fill that time with, oh, I can get more work done. That time is a gift to you. Now go into your room. Find a way to pray. Find a way to use that time as a gift to pray. So Jesus says, go into your room. He also says, shut the door. And for us today, that means shut out the distractions of media. As you think about your fasts this Lent, I don't want you to think just about the food fasts, although that's really important. I want you to think through what are all the, the, the media inputs in your life, and which of those is the Lord going to ask you, just eliminate that completely during these six weeks. Others he might invite you to limit or reduce. So you watch TV, maybe decide, I'll, I'll limit it to one TV show a week. I'll watch one movie a week. If you're wasting a lot of time on YouTube just watching video after video, which is so easy to do, I really encourage you, just give up YouTube for these weeks. Give up Netflix for these six weeks. Consider giving up social media or reducing how much you're on social media. Podcasts are a wonderful thing, but how much time do you spend listening to podcasts? Maybe limit that during this six weeks and see what happens. Because now you have time, 
that you can devote to prayer. Because the reality is, there is time. There is time in your life. But likely the time that you do have is being given to media of some sort. So think about your media inputs. Think about what you're going to be reducing. Think about what you're going to be eliminating altogether. And then fill that time with prayer. So Julie is a music teacher and a piano teacher. And one of the constant things she hears from her students is, but I, Miss Julie, I just don't have time to practice. So one day she finally looked at her, her middle school student and said, okay, tell me exactly what you do when you get home from school. Well, I watch this show, and then I watch this show. And then I check my Instagram, and then I text with some friends, and then it's dinner time, and then I have homework to do. So you see, I really don't have any time. And Julie said, wrong! You have time! Reorder your life. You can do this. So again, you have time. Likely the time that you have is being given to media in some way. Consider the media fastest lane and how those will open up for you the time to be with your Father in heaven. Go into your room. Shut the door. Shut out the, the distractions. Jesus also says when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. Now, what he's referring to here, he's, he's not saying lengthy prayer is a problem. Remember, Jesus himself prayed through the night. That was long prayer. But what he is saying, he's referring to, you can find their ancient prayer list that the pagans used to pray. They were very tedious and very litigious, where they had to name every god, because if they left one out, that god would be angry at them. And they also had different formulas and ways that they had to pray. And if they messed up the formulas or they left out one of the prayers, they would fear that the whole prayer would be thrown out as invalid. And Jesus is saying, that's not how your Father in heaven works. That's not how prayer works. The problem is not lengthy prayers. The problem is a view of God where I have to somehow convince him or persuade him to care about me, that I have to convince him what I'm bringing to you right now is really important to me. God, I need you to pay attention. And what Jesus is wanting you to understand, you don't have to persuade him. You don't have to convince him. He does care. You don't have to inform him what is going on. He already knows and he cares. The reason he invites you to tell it to him is because the faith that it builds in you and the intimacy it creates between the two of you. So Jesus wants you to understand that simple trust is the way to talk to your father, believing that he knows, that he cares, and that he loves to listen. So Jesus teaches us how to pray because he models it for us. Jesus teaches us how to pray because there are places in the scriptures where he explicitly teaches on prayer. And finally, Jesus teaches us how to pray by giving us the prayer of all prayers. So here in Matthew 6, we are given the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. And the Greek for that word when could also be understood as whenever you pray, meaning Whatever else you pray, and there are many ways of praying, and all of them are good, but whatever else you pray, always pray this prayer. And the ancient Christians did pray the Lord's Prayer three times a day, morning, noon, and night. And Jesus has given us this prayer to teach us how to pray. And the prayer as it is, on its own, is beautiful and powerful enough. And if you're not daily praying the Lord's Prayer, then one Lenten discipline that I would encourage you to have that's really easy to add and really powerful would be praying the Lord's Prayer every day.
perhaps multiple times a day, morning and night. But it can't be more than that. The prayer as it is is really powerful, but the prayer can also be a template and a way into more prayer. Here's what I mean. So let's say you've, you've cut out some things in your life and you've got space in your life, 10, 15 minutes now, where normally you'd be doing one thing, now it's free for you to pray, but you don't know how to fill that time. One thing that you can do, and this is true even if you are very experienced in prayer and you know how to pray, is to take the Lord's Prayer and use that whole 10 to 15 minutes to slowly go through the Lord's Prayer, phrase by phrase. Let different words stick out to you. And let the Lord's Prayer teach you how to pray. What comes up in your life as you pray the different phrases? How does this teach you to talk to God? What is he saying to you as you slowly go through the Lord's Prayer? The Lord's Prayer not only teaches us how to pray, uh, our personal prayers, but they also teach us how to intercede for others. So if there's someone in your life heavy on your heart because they are in a season where they're needing a lot of prayer, but you don't know how to pray for them, take the Lord's Prayer and use that as the template and the way to show you how to pray. There's lots that could be said about the different phrases of the Lord's Prayer, but rather than teach into that, I'll just say, dis discover that on your own. The richness and the meaning. All prayers are contained in the Lord's Prayer. Well, if you feel overwhelmed at all by all that there is to learn about prayer, about fasting, about the spiritual disciplines, about even just what it means to follow Jesus, let me encourage you again by saying, it's not up to you to figure it all out on your own. Jesus is excited to teach you how to pray. He's excited to in, enroll you into the school of prayer this Lent. And if you say yes to him, uh, he will show you how to pray. Let's say yes to him now. Jesus, we believe that you're excited to teach us how to pray. We believe that this is really important. And we know that you know all the hang-ups that we have about learning how to pray, about engaging the spiritual disciplines, all the different pitfalls that are around that we can fall into. Jesus, we choose to believe that you are well able to lead us through, to make us more like you, to fill us with your own spirit, to teach us about the Father's heart. And so, Lord, we give to you ourselves this night. We give to you ourselves this Lenten journey. Would you use these six weeks and these 40 days to teach us individually and as a church how to pray?